Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday sermon series, Where Are They Now? We've taken liberty in this series for a continuation of stories never finished in the Bible. There are those who made a difference or impact, but we never hear from them again. Some made the best of opportunities, but never really knew what kind of impact they made, while others missed opportunities entirely and their stories stopped short. Where do we think they ended up? How did their story end? If we could interview them today, what would they say? Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, Praise Chapel. I said, good morning, Praise Chapel. All right. I thought that worship service would wake us up a little bit. But we welcome all of you here this morning. Turn around and greet someone or just tell them you're in the right place today. Come on. Tell them you're in the right place. I believe you are in the right place this morning. And we're glad you're here. We're going to have a wonderful time. We're in a new series here. Uh, Just a couple of things that uh, uh, we're talking our new series. You can put it up there. It's called Where Are They Now? And basically what we're talking about in this particular series is we're getting biblical stories uh, of people, or certain characters in the Bible who made great impact by some of the decisions that they made and even some people that missed opportunities and missed the impact that they could have made. And really, if we could interview them, if it was possible that we could have them come and we could talk to them and ask them a few questions about their lives and the decision that they made, what would they tell us? And so I'm going to look at one particular story in Scripture today about what this person could possibly tell us by the story that was laid out, and it's concerning one little girl in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse number 1, and I'm going to begin to read this Scripture here. It said, Now Naaman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because by him the Lord had given Syria, or given victory to Syria. Said he was a mighty man of valor. In other words, this man was courageous. But he was a leper. But he was a leper. How many know all of us have a but in our life, am I right? Can't sit down without one, right? But all of us this morning... We have that but in our lives where, you know, things may be good over here, but maybe you're having family problems. But maybe you're having problems in your job. But maybe you're having physical problems or financial problems. And and there could be that but that things may be going good on one end, but something else is happening. As you can see in this story, Naaman is a general with a lot of accolades, a lot of accomplishments in his life. But, the Bible says, he has leprosy. I want us to pick up the next verse, next two verses. I want to read that to you, and then I'm going to pray. Uh, it says, and the Syrians had gone out on raid. In other words, they've gone out on, on, on militia attacks, or they went out attacking some villages. And they brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. They made her uh, like a maid or a slave, and she waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. So I want to pray and ask the Lord just to help us this morning and just let these scriptures come alive and this story 
come alive in our hearts as we get into it this morning. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that your word is powerful, that your word is true, that your word applies in 2019, that the word of God is relevant. And Lord, in every facet of our lives, your word applies. And Father, I pray today as we listen, God, help us to hear, Lord, the story and let it resonate in our soul today. Remove every weight of distraction, maybe stress that's in our lives, many, maybe so many things that are weighing on us heavily. And Lord, today, we just remove that. And I pray the Holy Spirit would speak to people where they're at right now. And I pray today for the anointing of your spirit upon every word that I speak and that the people of God would hear the voice behind the voice in Jesus' name. And the people said, and today we pick up this story about this nameless servant girl. We don't know her name. In fact, scripture never gives us her name, but she becomes a maid or she becomes a slave to Naaman's wife. Of course, we just said Naaman has leprosy. He's the general. And his wife is there. And the Bible says they capture this young girl. And she becomes the maid to his wife. And she's there. And the scripture says she offers some hope in a hopeless situation. She makes this statement, this young slave girl, if only my master, she says, were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. So we take this small story, and this small story becomes a big miracle. It's a big story about a little girl, if you begin to read it. The Bible says she's simply the maid, but if we could interview her, if we could talk to her today, what would she tell us? And I believe one of the things she would tell us in reading this story, and I'm going to show you why I believe she would say this, she would say this to you and I. She would tell us that regardless of your position, regardless of your title in life, you can make a difference. Turn to someone and say, you can make a difference. You can make a difference. Regardless of your title, regardless of your position in life, you can make a difference. Because the truth is, many times you and I make excuses and reasons that until we get to a certain place in life, that until we get to this level in life, that we cannot make a difference. We have to be here in order to make a difference. Let me give you an example. Now, I'm going to say this. I know there's nobody here that does this. I'm not going to ask for any, any volunteers, but maybe you know someone. Don't look at them. They but they play the lottery, okay? Don't, don't look. I know there's nobody here that does that. But maybe you know someone that does. And you've heard them say, man, if I won the lottery, I would buy my mama house. I would bless my friends. Pastor, I'd buy a church building. Thank God for you. Amen. I'd do this. I'd do that. And... Maybe, you know, you know somebody, again, I know nobody here plays it, but just in case maybe you, bought, you thought it was a free sticker and then you realized, no, I have to pay for it, and you just kind of rubbed it anyway and all of that, you know, possible. But the reason why I say that is because that is our way of thinking, that until we win the lottery, until we hit it big, we can't make a difference. Until this happens, we are limited in our effect we are limited in our influence 
that we have on other people, and thus the fantasy is, well, if I won the lottery, then I can make a difference, but not right now. We believe our life is limited until we reach this level, until we reach this title or this position, then we'll have impact. But until that happens, that's not going to take place. Yet we read this story of a little girl. She's simply the maid, and especially back in that culture, that was probably one of the lowest positions of servanthood a person could have with being a maid in a house. She was the least influential. She was the least significant, yet it was her voice when we read this story that made the difference. Now, who is this little girl? The Bible says she was brought back captive. They brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel, and she waited on Naaman's wife. The Bible doesn't tell us her age, but various translations say the little girl or a young girl, and many scholars believe they estimate her age to be between 10 to 12 years old. So this 10-year-old or this 12-year-old girl is taken captive. Again, we never know her name. And probably when you saw her or you seen her in this story, she's probably sweeping or cleaning or washing the dishes or, or making up beds. Uh, uh, and yet, uh, uh, if you were a servant, you didn't speak until you were spoken to. And yet the scripture says, when you begin to read the story, that it is her voice that God uses in order to make impact on somebody's life. And think about this, regardless of your resources, regardless of your title, regardless of your position or whatever level you're at, I'm here to tell you that you can make a difference. You can make a difference today. Now, maybe right now you're at a job and you're saying, well, uh, you may not be the lead person. You may not be the supervisor. You may not be the manager. You may not be the boss. You may not be the CEO of the company. They may refer to you as the skilled common laborer, but I'm here to tell you it's a deception of the enemy to think that until you get promoted, that until you get to this level, then your life is going to make a difference. I'm here to tell you that you can make a difference right now. I said right now. In your home, you may not be the oldest. You may not be the eldest. You may not be the mom or dad. You may not be the older brother or the older sister. You may not be that person, but I'm here to tell you, this young girl, she was captive. She was brought into a land that was not hers. She had no influence politically. She had no influence militarily. She had no influence uh, uh, basically socially. She was just chosen by God in spite of her title and position. And all of us this morning can identify with her because at one time or another, you may feel invisible like nobody cares about what you say. You may have felt invisible in certain situations, and many times you don't realize it's your voice that God wants to use because God gets the glory from your story. I like that. I made it up myself, whether you like it or not. Thanks for the golf clap. Amen. Some people... I get the little golf clap, but it's okay. It'll get louder, hopefully, as we go on. But, see, I want to just say to you this. God's not interested in your title. He's interested in your testimony. I said he's interested in your testimony. 
You may say, well, I don't have a title. I don't have a position. No, he's not interested in that. He's interested in your testimony. See, all of us here, we have a testimony. You may say, what's, what, what, what's my testimony? You were once blind, but now you can see. You were once lost, but now you've been found. You have been forgiven of your sin. That is the testimony that God wants to use for his glory. And, friend, I'm here to tell you that it's a deception and a lie of hell to think that God can't use you until you get to a certain place, until you have certain resources, or you stand in this place and stand in that place, and we're waiting. And guess what? You may not ever get there, and you're, you're, God's not going to use your life because you're waiting for that. See, if this young girl would have waited for that, the impact of her decision would have never taken place because we learn a lesson from this girl's story. She had no influence. She had no power. But I'm here to tell you, when we begin to read into this story, she basically uh, speaks up, and because she speaks up, she makes a difference. Uh, she may have been or felt invisible by people, and I'm here to tell you, you may feel invisible by people, but I want you to know today you're not invisible to God. God sees you. God sees your life, and your life is very significant. The second thing I believe, if we were to talk to her and say, well, what do you think about your decision? She said, all I know is I offered hope in a hopeless situation. Now, think about this. This girl was a slave. Talk about hopelessness. And yet she was the one to offer hope in her hopeless situation to another hopeless situation because the man had leprosy. And when you had leprosy back then, it was basically a death sentence. It was basically death waiting to happen. And you can imagine the Bible says that this young girl speaks up. Now, biblical leprosy back then, uh, you would get the, the crusting of the skin. You would get blotches of white uh, all over uh, you would have bald spots. Uh, uh, many times it, when you got severe, severe leprosy, your fingers would begin to rot. Your nose would begin to rot. People were so afraid of you that they would put you in a leper colony and separate you from your family. For some of you that are old enough, back when AIDS first came out, over about over 35 years ago, the early 80s, people were afraid. I mean, man, they didn't know if you coughed at them, you might get AIDS. You were just afraid of people. That we didn't know about the disease. And so I remember you, you know, people would say, man, I don't know if I could use the restroom. That guy had AIDS. Uh, you know, I can't go in that same restroom. We didn't know because people were so scared. Well, this is the way it was back then. You had leprosy. People stood away from you, and they made sure to keep their distance, and they put you in a colony. And most of the time when you died of leprosy, you died alone because nobody wanted to be around you. And so this man is a general. It's probably because of his position that they haven't put him aside somewhere, or who knows, he was probably able to hide it very well. We don't know, but we do know that he did have leprosy, and this young girl decides to speak up. Even though Naaman had the power, even though he had the position, he was still sick. How many know some people, man, that, They've been given uh, uh, maybe a prognosis. Somebody has told them or a doctor said, hey, you're going to be sick for the rest of your life. Uh, I can tell you, when you talk to these people, what they'll tell you is, I'll give up anything. I'll give up all my wealth, all my position to be well again. 
So you can imagine that this man, this general, man, he was looking for something, but it was a hopeless situation. It was something that he had already gotten used to. And I'm sure when you know someone or you've experienced it in some way or another, or you've been around it, when someone has a health problem to this severity, it kind of just kind of hovers over the household. It kind of fills the atmosphere. And when the house is supposed to be joyous, when it's supposed to be a time of celebration, when someone has a, a, a sickness of this type of illness, it kind of hovers over the house, and it, it fills the home that way. And, and when people are sick, if you've ever met someone this way that's been very sick severely, they're exhausted with the sickness. They're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And so you can imagine that Naaman was sick, man. He was tired of being sick. And I'm, I can imagine that Naaman was used to hearing a lot of sympathy from people. In fact, when you're sick like this, you already know the drill. People have it in their eyes. They're feeling sorry for you. They're giving their words of sympathy to you, all of these different things. And, and I'm sure even Naaman's wife was used to hearing the sympathy. But this girl offered more than sympathy. She offered hope. Say hope. She offered hope in a hopeless situation when she herself was hopeless because she was a slave. And yet the Bible says she makes this statement, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. Now, when this young girl had every reason, think about this. This young girl had every reason to hate the general. It was because of him, because of his soldiers coming into her village, wherever she lived. It was because of them that she was now separated from her family. And we don't know the story. We don't know how it took place. But we do know this. When people would come, the enemy would come and invade a village, and they would raid the village, people would be screaming. There would be people that would be killed because many would resist it. And so we don't know what happened. But when they came and raided her village, evidently they separated her from her mom, her dad, her brothers and sisters. And everything she grew up with, everything that she knew, she was now separated from all of that. We don't know if her parents were killed. We don't know if they were sold off into slavery. We don't even know if this little girl was sold uh, when they brought her or she was given to Naaman as the trophy. We don't know this. The Bible doesn't tell us any of these things, but we do know this. This little child lost everything she valued overnight. And the next thing we know, she is now a maid serving uh, the general's uh, wife and she's waiting there on his wife she's been taken captive she's lost everything that she knew but can I tell you something she didn't lose her faith isn't that powerful she never lost her faith she may have lost her parents she may have lost where she lived but she never lost her faith I believe this the reason why this young girl was able to have the kind of faith that she did is because she was taught that maybe she was part of a devout family to God because see children don't learn naturally about the things of God you got to teach that to your kids have you ever met children that have never been raised up in the things of God They'll cuss you out in a matter of seconds, man. They'll tell you off quick. 
And you go, this person did not grow up in church. You're right. You can tell. This little this kid here, you know, you can tell where uh, a person's background is. Uh, and somehow this little girl, her faith, uh, she was taught the things of God. She was taught the things of God by her parents. And it's amazing this morning, uh, even though her circumstances are so bad, uh, but because she survived the storm uh, in this life, she had powerful faith uh, and she had a good attitude and a good posture despite her circumstances and she said if only my master verse second uh, kings verse uh, chapter 5 verse 3 if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria for he would heal him of his leprosy do you know what she's saying in plain English man how I wish oh how I wish that my master would go visit this prophet in Samaria for he would heal him of his leprosy. Oh, if you only knew. Oh, if you could only go and visit the prophet, you would be healed of your leprosy. You know what moves me in this story is what I don't see. You know what I don't see? I don't see a little girl filled with hate. I don't see a little girl filled with bitterness. I mean, I don't know about you. I've been saying, good, I hope you die of your leprosy. I know somebody can heal you, but I'm not telling you anything. I'm not going to say anything. I know where you can go, but guess what? I'm not saying nothing. I'm not going to say a word. But we don't see that in her heart. We don't see that in her spirit. See, it's what I don't see than what I do see in, 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 you know, considering all the circumstances. It's refreshing to see this young girl. And with the backdrop of slavery and all this stuff, she had this indestructible faith in God. In fact, we see the very opposite of what I would do or what you would do. And instead of hating her enemy, she has compassion. She offers hope. She said, I know someone. Instead of being bitter, what? She became better. There's only one letter, I. When it's all about I, you're going to be bitter. You can be, see, you go from bitter to better to being a blessing. See, that's what she did. She, became, she went from being bitter to better to being a blessing. She refused to allow bitterness to get inside her soul. See, I can tell you something, man. Uh, one of the toughest things that can happen in your life is when you allow bitterness to root itself in you. I've seen so many people filled with bitterness. I've seen so many people filled with this uh, bitterness inside their life, and yet this young girl, she's not bitter. She seems to be calm. She seems to be able to uh, have her senses, and she says, you know what? I know someone that can heal you. I'm sure the other Jewish people, they wanted to see this man die, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Uh, you know, that was their way of thinking, but, but her, her, this young girl, she refused to accept those ideals because it speaks volumes of her character. It speaks volumes of her heart. See, I've seen people, their circumstances changes their heart. Their circumstances changes their morals. But this girl, despite everything around her, we don't see any hint of self-pity. She's not feeling sorry for herself. Woe is me. Some of us have done that, and that's okay. 
We have some self-pity. How many have ever had some pity parties? Oh, me, I can't believe it. It's okay to do it as long as you don't camp there, as long as you don't stay there. You need to move on. But we don't see any hint of self-pity in this young girl. She's not feeling for, sorry for herself. Guess what? She's feeling sorry for the general. She's feeling sorry for him. She's not feeling for, sorry for herself. She's feeling sorry for the very man that destroyed her family, that destroyed everything that she knew. She didn't allow the circumstances to change her character. She refused to allow prejudice. She refused to allow hate to taint her soul. She said, I'm not going to let that happen. Instead, she said, I'm going to be better and be a blessing. Is it possible this morning that you and I can be a blessing every day? Is it possible? Now, I know some of you, you're, you're all mad and bitter because you lost an hour of sleep, you know. But at least you woke up this morning. At least you woke up this morning. Yesterday, I, I was supposed to attend four different funerals yesterday. It was impossible. I was able to make two. I just couldn't make four. There were so many going on at the same time. And I just began to think about life is precious. Now, the number, I was able to make two funerals and got to hear a lot of eulogies and went to pray for the family, people that I knew, and, and uh, gave my condolences, and they're real grateful. But I couldn't make the other two. They were all going on at the same time. But it just began to tell me, you know what? People this morning, they need hope. They need uh, you and I to be a blessing while we're alive, not when we're dead. We need to be alive, right? If the, I think we could be a blessing every day. How many believe that? You can be a blessing every day. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, how in the world can I be a blessing every day to somebody? Number one, you can pray for somebody. How many can pray? That don't cost you anything. You can pray. You can be a blessing by praying for somebody. And then you can even text them and say, I'm praying for you today. And give them a scripture, I'm praying for you today. Every so often, I'll get an inbox or a text and say, Pastor, praying for you, praying for this. I usually say, thank you. I'm so grateful that somebody's praying for you. I've had somebody leave in my inbox. They're actually praying for me in their prayer. They recorded the prayer for me. And I'm thinking, praise God, I heard my name in that prayer. And they're speaking and they're making a declaration, a blessing over my life. And, uh, you know, it's awesome to hear that, that somebody not only saying they're praying, but I actually heard them praying in their prayer closet, and they mentioned my name. They recorded, you know, whether it was two minutes of prayer for me, and they sent it to me, and I said, wow, that is so powerful. You know, another way we could be a blessing, compliment someone. Did you know that compliments can change somebody's life? It won't cost you a dime. It doesn't cost you a penny to give somebody a compliment. To say, man, looks, you look good today. Man, welcome, man. Glad to see you today. Man, you're looking sharp today. Whoo, man. Great to see you. I'm glad you're here. It makes people feel good. In fact, I was reading an article last night about a teacher, and I'll, I'll read you what it said. It said that this teacher said, one class opener that my students absolutely love, it's called the compliment circle. She said, it's so simple. At the beginning of class, we go around the circle, and we say compliment to the person on our left. She said, it's absolutely amazing to see the tension melt off the children's faces with a simple word as, thank you for being nice to me. I like your smile. I like the shoes you're wearing. I really like 
the way you play basketball. With some of these things in the circle that people say to each other, these fourth and fifth graders' lives have been changed. The teacher said she can see them light up. She can see the stress melt off their faces. People seem, or children seem, to appreciate compliments as one of the most important things in their life. May I add, so do adults. It can make a difference if you give someone a compliment. You could be a blessing by giving them a What if you just gave them a Starbucks card? Man, if you want to give me one, I'll take one too. But uh, if you give them a Starbucks card, whatever it may be, say, here, here's the Starbucks card. You know, every so often, just giving them a compliment, just telling them something, blessing them in some way. See, don't ever allow the enemy to steal your faith or steal your voice because of your circumstances. Some of us, man, the only time we speak up is here in church, but the rest of the week you shut down. You don't say anything about God. You don't tell anybody about God. Guess what? They're waiting for your hope. They want to hear what you got to say. Perhaps you could be the one. When we look at this servant girl, it took boldness. It took profound boldness for her to speak up, to stick her neck out. I mean, again, servant did not speak during that time until spoken to. And if you spoke up when you're not spoken to, you risked your life. You risk a beating. And here this young girl, she decides against everything, all odds, she's going to speak up. She doesn't care. She's just going to speak up. You know, once in a while, we need to be willing to speak up, man. Take a little risk. Say something to somebody. You know, maybe you hear them talking and say, you know what, I just overheard you. Do you mind if I pray for you? I just overheard you. I'd like to invite you to my church. You know, we're so afraid of being laughed at. We're so afraid of somebody getting mad at us. You know, I, I, I don't know if it's age anymore. I don't care what people say. I, I got to say something. I got to speak up. I got to speak what I believe God's telling me to tell them because sometimes this morning God puts us in a situation for a purpose and because we're not willing to take a risk, because we're not willing to speak up, uh, we miss the blessing or being a blessing to somebody else. She took a high risk. You know why this risk was high? Listen to me. Because uh, this prophet Elisha had never healed a leper before. There are 27 miracles that are connected with Elisha's ministry. Not one of them did he ever heal a leper. And she's there saying, I know someone. I know my God can heal you. You go see the prophet Elisha, and he'll heal you of your leprosy. Now, I don't know about you. But if the guy never healed anybody from leprosy, and I'm the other guy cleaning the house, I'd be telling her, don't do that. Never done it before. You know what I'm saying? No, shut up. No, don't do it. This little girl goes, oh, shut up. I'm going to speak it right now. He'll heal you of your leprosy. And she sticks her neck out. And she speaks it out to that general, and the Bible says that that general listens to her. He hears what she has to say. See, I'm here to tell you this morning that that we have to be willing to speak out uh, even when it's tough. We have to be willing to believe God even in the midst of some dire circumstances. I posted this the other day because I'm going to preach it. I wanted to say this to you today, but it says this. If you base your faith on lack of affliction, your faith lives on the brink of extinction. 
and will fall apart because of a frightening diagnosis or a shattering phone call. Token faith will not survive suffering, nor should it. Faith that has not been tested cannot be trusted. I'm here to tell you today, you can tell me all about your faith, but if you haven't gone through anything, your faith don't mean anything. Faith that had not been tested cannot be trusted. This young girl was speaking in faith. She was in some dire circumstances. She was a slave. She was a nobody. She had no title, no position. She was, again, torn apart from her family. She was in a hopeless situation. But she sees Naaman, this general who has leprosy, and she's the one that offers hope in a hopeless situation. She's the one that has faith. You know what she was doing this morning? She was lending them her faith. See, I believe, if you want to write this down, I believe we were able to interview her. She would say, when somebody, somebody's low on faith, lend them your faith. Let them borrow your faith. Now, some of you are looking at me and say, can, we, can people borrow our faith? I'm going to show you that people can. That when somebody's faith is low, when somebody's faith has kind of run out, have you ever been with someone who, man, man, they started out courageous. They started out filled with hope and expectation. But as life began to get a hold of them, you can tell that their faith and their optimism and their belief system has begun to dwindle. It may be you're the reason why you've run into them. See, I don't believe that sometimes we're in a certain place at a certain time, with certain people, out of coincidence. I believe God put you there so that you can lend them your faith because their faith has run low. Are you listening to me? Is it possible this morning that we have gone in situations with people this morning to bring them back to the promises of God because they've gone through so many spiritual battles in their life and they've just been tired. Maybe they're going through things in their marriage. Maybe they're going through things in their relationship. Maybe they're going through things financially. Maybe they're going through things emotionally. And friend, again, they started out courageously and all of a sudden their faith seems used up and maybe you've run into them where they feel like just giving up you know I just feel like giving up man why even try why even go on can I tell you something that's when you're supposed to lend them your faith can I be honest with you this morning I have found myself in situations as the pastor again I'll be pastoring 30 years yeah in, in, in a few months in May not me me and my wife actually yeah actually both of us and there have been moments in pastoring where it's been very discouraging. I've shared it with you. I've been very transparent. There have been times, man, where I just wanted to quit. I'm, I remember there was a time every Monday I said, I'm quitting. That, that's it. I'm done. That's it, man. I'm not going to do this anymore. It's too hard. Too many things. Too much pain. I, don't, I feel like giving up. And thank God there were people that just gave me a word at the right time at the right place. I said, hey, I just want to tell you this, man, you're doing a great job. Or I just want to tell you, you're making a difference. Or I just want to tell you, I know you're going through some things, but I, can I pray with you? And it was just that one word 
to help keep me going for another week, hallelujah, or another month or whatever it may be. Whatever time it was, it was the right word in the right place at the right time. Could it be this morning that God places you to give an impactful word at the right time, at the right place? Could it be that this young girl being a maid at that time, at that place, could it be that it was her time and her word right there that was going to make a difference in Naaman's life? Now, let me just say this to you this morning, that Jesus talks about, or there's a story of Jesus in Luke chapter 5. You don't have to turn there now, and you can read it when you get home. But in that particular story, the Bible said there's a man, a paralytic man, a man that cannot walk, and he's bedridden. And the Bible says that Jesus is at a house, and he's ministering there and praying for people. And so four of his friends decide to take him. Each one, each one got the end of the, the cot there, and, and they're carrying him to Jesus. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 5 that they get to the home, and the home is packed out. There's no way to get to Jesus. Jesus is in the house. It's packed out, standing room only. People are outside, and there's no way they can get to Jesus. And thank God these guys have some faith. Now, they could have said to their friend, hey, man, I guess we just didn't make it in time. We're going to have to take you home. But the Bible says they saw a stairway to the top of the roof. They said, let's take the stairs. So they take this guy up the stairs. They break up the guy's roof. I don't know who paid for the repairs later. And so all of a sudden, uh, all this dust, and Jesus is sitting there ministering and dust. And all of a sudden, uh, this, this man is lowered down. If you read the story, they lowered down this man in front of Jesus. And Jesus looks at this man. The Bible said the power, Luke chapter 5, verse 17, the power of the Lord was present to heal. And in Luke chapter 5, verse 20, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, not the man's faith, not that man's personal faith, he saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Get up and walk. Now listen to me. Those four guys lend that guy their faith to have him healed. Am I right? Jesus saw their faith, not his faith. They lend him their faith. And God responded to their faith and healed that man. Did you see that? Sometimes it's your faith that will bring healing and a touch of God in somebody else's life. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. This servant girl was in a place with this man, Naaman, who had a death sentence pronounced over his life. He had leprosy. He was going to die. And it was at that point that, that she lent her, them her faith. And she said, I know a man that can heal him of his leprosy. She was lending them her faith and said, I know someone. And if you know the story, all of a sudden they listened to her. They said, is it possible? Is it possible that God can heal me? She was lending them her faith. And the Bible says Naaman went to the king and said, uh, this little girl said that there's a man in Samaria that will pray for me and I can be healed. I need your permission to go into that country because, man, I believe God can do it. She lent them her faith because, friend, today, God wants you and I to lend people our faith today. Can I just be bold enough this morning? I'm going to be bold enough this morning. 
Today, there's some of you in this room, I'm going to lend you my faith today. I want to believe God for your situation. Some of you are in an impossible situation right now. I want to lend you my faith. Some of you say, man, pastor, you have no idea. You're right, I have no idea, but I, I serve a big God. I said, I serve a big God. And I've seen him do impossible things, make impossible things possible. Things that in the eyes of man, can't, it can't be done. But I'm here to tell you, he, he can do it. He can give you that job. He can change your financial circumstances around. He can bring healing in your marriage. He can heal those relationships in your life. He said, Pastor, I failed and failed. Join the club. I can tell you over and over how many failures we've had. I, 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 can, I can actually, I, I could probably start the failure club if you want. Amen. I could. So many things. And yet I'm here to tell you God can change your situation. I'm here to lend you my faith today. Some of you this morning, man, your faith is low. Your faith is low. I mean, it's really low. I'm here to lend you my faith today. To say God can do it. That don't give up. Don't quit. Don't think that you're not worth it. You're worth more than you know. Your life is more valuable than you understand. When I look at this little girl, 10 to 12 years old, separated from her family, in the natural eye, she is a nobody. What can this little slave girl, what kind of hope can she bring? What kind of hope can she bring to this situation? What gives her the right to speak up to the general and tell him what he could do? What gives her the right to even say anything and suggest that God can heal this general. Man, she, it was a bold move, but I, I'm here to tell you, she was lending them her faith. And the Bible, listen to me, this is an incredible miracle that takes place because the Bible says that, that Naaman goes to the king and he tells him, hey, this little girl said this. Now, here's the incredible thing. Why would, you, why would the general listen to the little girl? And then jeopardized his reputation and said, well, the, who told you that? Oh, the little girl said. Oh, okay, the little girl said it? Okay, I get it. No, somehow this little girl must have made a difference in his life. Maybe she saw something in her that maybe nobody else did, but maybe he saw some credibility to her faith. Maybe he was watching how she was serving. Maybe she was watching her attitude and how she was dealing with the situation. And she said, man, if this little girl can be as resilient as this, you know what? I need to listen to this little girl. She didn't see this little girl complaining and pouting and woe is me and having pity parties and saying, forget you guys. She didn't see this little girl bitter, but he was watching her. And when she finally spoke up, he said, you know what, man, there's credibility to her words. Could it be that people are watching you? I believe people are watching you more than you know. And they're watching how you go through things in life. They're watching your faith. And see, when you speak up, it brings credibility. They watch how you've gone through certain seasons in your life. They watch how you deal with issues. And, and I'll tell you what, and your faith still stays intact. I've said this story before, and I'm just going to say it again. I remember hearing a pastor, and he was doing the eulogy for his wife that had passed away that he'd been married to for 30 years. And she died in his arms in the living room, diabetic attack. 
And I remember the pastor got up and, you know, he said, talked about how he loved his wife. But he said these words. He said, my heart is broken, but my faith is intact. My heart is broken, but my faith is intact. See, that man has credibility to his faith. And see, that little girl, she spoke up, and finally, this, this, this king finally gives Naaman permission. He goes to the place, and I'm going to read you the scripture here because I believe it's very, very relevant to what I'm saying this morning. In uh, 2 Kings chapter 5, why don't we read this verse of scripture, verse 9 through 10. So Naaman came with the horses, with his horses and chariots, and stood at the entrance to the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go wash seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be returned and cleansed. So the Bible says he finally gets to the house. The man of God never comes out to pray for him. Basically just give them instruction. And if you read the story, I won't get real deep in, but at first he doesn't want to do it because he said, man, that's a dirty river. I know cleaner rivers. And finally, here, now he's got, he's got the answer to his miracle, but now he's stubborn and prideful. How many have been there before? God's already spoken to you in faith. You don't want to do it. And finally, thank God, his fellow officers say, listen, if the, if the prophet would have told you to do something difficult, you would have done it. He's telling you to do, do something simple. Go wash in the river, man. Do what the prophet of God says. And if you know the story, that's exactly what he ends up doing. He goes and he dips himself in the river seven times. And the seven times, ladies, you guys are going to be very jealous because he gets up and the Bible says he's healed of his leprosy and he has skin like a baby. No Neutrogena, none of that other stuff, all, whatever stuff, you're cleansing stuff, lotion, none of that junk that you guys try to buy on TV, none of that. This guy had baby skin. You guys would have been jealous. I mean, no wrinkles. Oh, you ladies would have been jealous of that guy. That guy, man, he, he's walking around with baby skin, cleansed, healed of his leprosy. Did you hear me? Because there was a little girl that lent him her faith that day. See, if we can interview this little girl, she'll tell you, lend somebody their faith. You can make a difference in somebody's life. You can offer hope in a hopeless situation. No matter who you are, no matter what your status is, no matter what your position is, you have a voice. Don't let the enemy lie to you today. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.